This is Talk To Me. The official podcast of MetalNexus.net. Your host, Joshua Toomey, bring you epic rants, anecdotes, and interviews with heavy hitters from hardcore A new life to hair metal. This is Talk To Me. Welcome to Talk To Me, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net. This is episode 138, so let's start out with a little bit of Misfits. We are The guest this week is Ryan Phillips of Story of the Year, one of my oldest, dearest friends in the music business. Love that guy. Love that band. What a great band. Like I tell him in the interview, if if I didn't already know him, I would still be a huge Story of the Year fan and uh, go back with those guys years and years. Let's get some business out of the way, and then we will get to the interview, and we will get right into the interview this week, because today is Valentine's Day as I record this, and I snuck in the basement real quick to knock out this intro. Uh, the wife is upstairs. We had some wonderful heart-shaped pizzas. She knows how to get straight to my heart with the heart-shaped pizza. Let's do a little segment called Give Me Your Money. <laughs> uh, you can always head over to patreon.com slash talk to me and uh, donate over there. Become a Patreon. You know the deal with Patreon. Nice little uh, couple of bucks a month subscription service. And uh, helps out the podcast immensely. Even if you don't donate a buck a month. If uh, all my listeners donated a buck a month, uh, I may or may not have to work, so that's always a good thing. So, uh, and uh, newest newest Patreon over there is Daniel Terry of the Discography Discussion Podcast. I appreciate him immensely, and also make sure to check out the Discography Discussion. Also, uh, check out the Redbubble store. Get the new Titans logo, the new flaming uh, pentagram Titans logo. Talk to me T-shirt. That's pretty awesome. I also got some stickers made of that. So, if you'd like a sticker, make sure to reach out to me through the Facebook page at talk to me talk or Twitter at talk to me talk, or you can just uh, email me directly talk to me talk at gmail.com and I will get you a couple of stickers out to you. 
The guest this week is Ryan Phillips, the story of the year. They have a great new album out called Wolves. Make sure to uh, check that out on Spotify, however you get your music and uh, download that. Support my friends, support what they do, and they will continue putting out great music. And before we get into the interview, let's hit a classic story of the year track. This is We Don't Care Anymore off of In the Wake of Determination. Then we will talk to Ryan Phillips, hear a new track off the new album, and then I will talk to you guys next Thursday. Hey, this is Rob Flynn from Machine Head, and you're listening to Talk To Me.
right, guys, we got Ryan Phillips of Story of the Year on. I've known you for a very, very long time, man. It's a very long time. Yeah, dude. You know what's crazy? Like, some of those shows that we did, even with uh, Adam Russell's band, Low Cash, and yep. like, some of those shows we did together, man, like, that, that is still, like, in my heart, some of my fondest memories of being a musician, man. Like, just, you know, like, that was, like, everything, dude, you know? Um we were just kids, just doing it because we loved it, like just grinding, hustling. Like, I mean, it was just everything, man. You know? Yeah, I mean, that was one thing. There was a, there were a few, um, you know, kind of sister bands that uh, Twelve Volt Negative Earth had, and 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 so people listening know. I mean, you know, uh, you know, Ryan yeah. and I go back. You know, when I was in Twelve Volt Negative Earth, he was in Big Blue Monkey, and we traded shows mm-hmm. like crazy. And and uh, yeah, yeah. But there was a, there was two like major bands we traded shows with, and one was Drowning Pool, and the other was uh, yeah. Big Blue Monkey. And uh, man, yeah, those, <laughs> some of those St. Louis shows are, are still crazy. I've got a lot of that stuff on video somewhere. Oh no way, that's crazy, dude! I gotta tell you, um, yeah. I spent like, I don't know, I would say probably like five years trying to rip off the, um, the opening track <laughs> on, on the da na na da na na Right, right. That where did all the sunshine go? Like, dude, that was so impactful to me um, when I heard that back in the day. Like, I, I swear to God, I spent like five years trying to figure out a way to rip that off. <laughs> It's so dope. Well, I'm sure you could just play it. I'm sure none of us, none of us will mind. It's been uh, 20 years now, but you know, it's funny. You know, I've seen you many times over the years at shows. You know, going to see story of the sh- uh, story of the year shows. But the mm-hmm. last time I actually think I talked to you on the phone, I think I was trying my damnedest to get you to Nashville to join Twelve Volt Negative Earth. But uh, I think you, <laughs> I think you made the right decision. I think you, uh, you know, staying in uh, St. Louis was good. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh... Yeah, that was that was tough, man. I always thought you guys like you guys were just like um I know we're going like really far back, but no, that's like good. you guys just always seemed like so pro and like you like you guys just took everything so seriously and you guys just totally gave a shit, you know? And I think that's one thing that you know that that's kind of like I know this is like a really over overly simplified statement, but like that's kind of like everything, man. That's what separates people who like the doers and the watchers it's just mm-hmm. like who truly gives a shit you know and you guys like totally gave a shit and were totally organized and and uh i don't know man like i felt like a connection to that because you know since i picked up a guitar like music has just been kind of my world you know absolutely so, yeah we were yeah. definitely uh you don't know how many times I've had people on here that have, have moved on to other bands and, and got signed and did stuff that were, we're always like, we were, we always assumed you guys were going to be the ones that got signed. You know, they always say that yeah. about 12 volt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but you guys did it, man. You guys, uh, I remember one of the first times when you think about making it in music and some of the, the trivial, meaningless little things that, uh, that, that made me think people made it, in life, I remember um, our old drummer Richie Kohler uh, came to practice one day with a Finch CD, and I think they thanked you in the liner notes, like Big Blue Monkey. I think they thanked Big Blue Monkey in the liner <laughs> notes, and we yeah. were all, we were all sitting around like they fucking made it, <laughs> you know, and like that's such a weird thing to think about now. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm I I actually really miss that man. Like I miss liner notes. I miss uh, I do miss that aspect of it. But dude, I, I know what you're saying. Like that. That that that's how it felt to us too, man. Like, oh my god, <laughs> we we for sure made it. We were thanked in a in an album, you know. Yeah. And also, like, I remember back in the day, like putting out our own records. We would thank 
like we also thought it was cool to thank the death tones and rage against the machine. <laughs> right. about, like they did, I mean, what did they do? You know, like we just it, we thought it made us look cooler and bigger and stuff, you know? So oh, we yeah. would thank like 38,000 different bands <laughs> in our liner notes. It's funny, man. That's good stuff, man. I remember. And, and the other, the other, uh, you know, thing you, you guys, you know, did the, you know, let's go to California and make it thing. That's the one thing I think that, you know, 12 volt always talked about doing, but we never actually did. I think we talked about moving to Chicago at one point, but, um, but you know, what, what, what gave you guys the drive to go out to California to, uh, to kind of, you know, attain the dream out there? Uh, well, you gotta understand like that was 2002, I believe 2001, 2002. I don't know. Like for the most part, like, you know, the world wasn't connected how it is now. Like, you're talking, like, pre-Facebook, pre-all that shit, you know? I think mp3.com was kind of, like, it, you know? Um, this That was probably even before MySpace and all that stuff. Long story short, <laughs> you know, geographical scenes, like, mattered in a way that they don't necessarily matter as much now, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was, like, a large, you know, it wasn't connected the way it is to the extent that it is now. So we kind of felt like, Hey, you know, um, if we want to get a record deal and sign to a label and all that stuff, like it's probably better that we just go to where all these labels are at, you know, and just play shows. And if someone wants to come see us, they got to drive 20 minutes down to four or five instead of, you know, flying across the country or, you know, that was just like, we just kind of grew up on that, that mindset. Like, that's just what you did. Like you, you went to, you know, you went to LA and you tried to get a record deal. And I don't know, man, it's crazy. When I think about it now, like I had like $200 to my name and none of us had any money and we rode skateboards and played music. And it was just kind of like, well, this is what I like in school. I, 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 I would, I, you know, I was a horrible student. Um, I would just, design websites during class and, you know, draw logos and write lyrics and write guitar tablature. Um, I knew from, you know, I'm a pretty stubborn dude. And I just, I knew that school didn't really have anything to do with what I wanted to do. And I wanted to play music and that was just kind of it. Like I couldn't see anything past that. So, you know, I just felt like moving to California was like the next step. And there's, um, it's kind of a weird statement, but like there's, I think there's, an immense amount of power in being naive and kind of fucking stupid. And, you know, I was young and I didn't take into consideration how I would pay my bills next month and how I would afford to live, how I'd afford, like, I didn't think about any of that stuff. I just thought, Oh, uh, we just got to get out there and find yeah. some kind of roof roof to get under and start, start rehearsing and start playing shows. And, you know, I think there's a, uh, there's so much power in just being like really naive like that because, you know, maybe rules and boundaries and all that stuff. Like, you know, that, that everyone can be their own worst enemy and get in their own way. And, 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 you know, give, you know, it's really easy to give yourself self-defeating talk. Like the older you get and the wiser you get and the more knowledge you have, but we were just fucking dumb kids that were like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. So this is what we did, you know? Yeah. I mean, you definitely have to go out there and, and chase the dream and, uh, you know, throw everything yeah. you can at it. And yeah, I mean, there's definitely a ignorance is bliss type thing about being a young and dumb and just, you know, running <laughs> out. And, but I mean, you guys did it. I mean, you guys uh, truly, you know, were the, uh, were the dream, uh, scenario, you know, you go out there, you get, uh, courted by, you know, Maverick and, and then, uh, yeah. you know, you fall into John Feldman, who was, 
you know, had just done the, the the used album, which I think is, you know, one of my favorites. And then, you know, obviously your first, uh, your first album, uh, you know, kind of set him on the way too. And man, it's just like it, everything just lined up. I feel like. Yeah, I think, okay. Um, I don't think like we've never been like the best band. We've never been the most talented band. We've never been, we've never been any of that, but we outworked fucking everybody. Like, out hustled everyone, outworked everyone. We just truly gave a shit. And I think that put us in a position to get really lucky because there's a huge amount of, you know, you said, you know, everything fell into place and everything like that came, you know, that, that came after 24 seven, yeah. just round the clock work and everything. But dude, there's a monumental amount of luck associated with that too. And, and just being, you know, you, you work your ass off to get yourself in a situation to become lucky. I, I, I do like, feel that way but at the same time man there's like there's really no other way to say it like it's just good timing and we got we got really lucky you know and we you know, we moved moved out there and um you know growing up we didn't have money we couldn't afford like we wanted a music video we had to like uh our bass player adam like we we had to <laughs> we had to uh teach ourselves how to film stuff how to edit video how to we had to teach ourselves all that stuff you know so it's like well we have this crazy live show let's put let's let's film it make you know make a little mini documentary in epk and we put it in john feldman's tour bus and he happened to watch it and called us and took us on tour and then took us to the label and then that's how it all happened yeah i mean speaking of not having money i definitely have video of uh you guys touring in a chevy suburban so yeah i do know (laughs) it all started somewhere uh real quick before we get too far ahead i I did want to jump back to what was the uh the mindset of switching Dan from drums to vocals because Dan has always been one of my favorite drummers. So I was just kind of wondering, yeah, you know, yeah. taking him off the kit and putting him on vocals. I mean, obviously a great singer, but man, what a great drummer. Yeah, dude, it's weird. Like, um, we've always been friends way, way like first before, like before businessmen and bandmates, like we're friends first. And, we all grew up skateboarding and stuff before we actually played music together, you know? And, you know, it, it's, I think that's probably the biggest reason. It's like, okay, we, you know, we need a new singer. It's time to move on. It's like, well, you know, we can just find some stranger and just do that whole thing, like putting ads out and stuff or stuff. But we like to really like to skateboard this guy and he's already in our band and he's a really good singer. So we'll just make him the singer. <laughs> and, you know, that's just, most of the decisions we've made have just been based around like for better or for worse, just like how it's going to affect our chemistry and our friendships and, and all that, you know, what made the musical shift change? I mean, you're, you know, big blue monkey was very, you know, very into the, the, the new metal era, you know, kind yeah, of, kind yeah. of, you know, rap metal, deftones you know, I mean, I, I always said that you guys sounded like deftones meets journey, but <laughs> that was <laughs> yeah, your yeah, vocalist. Yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah, so yeah. what, I mean, I mean, because basically you guys, jumped on the on this style change at the beginning and you know technically are probably like the the forefathers of you know whatever style that is yeah dude totally um i think part of that has to do with just you know uh evolving taste like we uh, like death tones is still probably my all-time favorite band like at least in my top three and um dude every once in a while it's funny it is i'll still go back and listen to like that first corn record, that first Limp Bizkit record, like, I don't, put me on record. That's just dope. I love it. <laughs> I think those are important records, especially that first corn record. That's an important record. Um, but uh, I don't know, like, we all kind of, um, 
don't know. We that that like whole like uh, like screamo thing just kind of happened. I don't. I mean, I'll just use the word screamo, emo, whatever. Yeah. But like bands like Thrice and uh, the Bled and all that stuff and the Refused and all that. Like I just we just all kind of discovered that and like you know talking about Finch like that Finch record actually was really uh, you know it kind of played a pivotal role. In, 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 you know, Saves the Day, that band Saves the Day, like totally huge influence. But we just kind of like fell in love with that stuff, and that just naturally kind of what we started sounding like, you know. And then, plus, you know, that, that, that genre kind of started to take off, and you know, we just we were like, listen to it, but maybe we should do that instead, you know. It's, I mean, it's, it's not like there's like this crazy calculated thing, it just kind of happened. That's kind of the best answer I can just give you. Was um, you know? was Feldman doing a lot of producing prior to to the used and and your 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 first album enough for you guys to know to leave him at an EPK or were you just kind of like leaving those EPKs everywhere you could? We left him everywhere we could. We did the most obnoxious shit you could ever imagine, uh, but <laughs> we targeted Feldman specifically because of that used record. Um. Just because we, you know, we got, we're, you know, in the stage day and thrice and used and all that stuff. And, dude, that first used record, man, that's that's an important record to me, you know? Yes, it is. So it's just because of that. Yeah, I mean, that was the time where it was, it's funny, you know, you guys kind of, you see what's coming. And at the same time, I'm I'm joining Primer 55 on the tail end of their career. And uh, I even remember we played, uh, when we played Pops in St. Louis, um, Alan, your old producer, I believe, yeah, took me yeah, out, yeah. took me out to his car and played me early story of the year demos. And I was like, wow, this is really good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I vividly remember sitting in the uh, you know in between the liquor store, the strip club, the club, and <laughs> listening to early story of the year demos. But um, <laughs> so, you know, kudos to you guys for for seeing it. You know, because I was over there still, you know, jumping around and you know probably jinkos or something. <laughs> hey man, that shit all has a special place in my heart. I swear. Yeah, that oh was yeah. A cool time. It was a that great was time. Cool time in, in music, man. So obviously, the first album comes out until the day I die. Just absolutely blew up. What was that? What was that like? I mean, that that had to be absolutely insane for you know you guys going from nothing to basically being everywhere. Yeah, man. It was it was weird. Uh, it all happened so fast, and we were on the road. Like, when it hit me, okay, dude, this is, I'm sure there's 100 bands that have had the same story. Um, but I remember we were on tour. Like, we just did a tour with, with the Used and Thrice. It was, like, our first real tour, you know? Yeah. And um, after that, we did we started doing, like, a headlining run. And I remember we were in uh, Hartford, Connecticut, and we pulled up to the venue, and there was, like, a couple hundred kids, like, in line. And it didn't occur to me like it didn't even occur to me for a second that that was our show. And those were there didn't see us. I just, I remember going like, well, I wonder, you know, I wonder who's playing, like, <laughs> right. who's at, who's at that venue, whatever. And then, uh, we pull in and it's just like, it, I just didn't connect the dots that there was that. Cause you know, when we play headlining shows outside of St. Louis, there'd be maybe like 10, 12 people there. Like we played in Lawrence, Kansas with sales and there was like 20, 22 presale. Wow. Um, yeah, but then after that song and after, you know, after the momentum built up and all that, like, it it, I, I, it just blew my fucking mind that there was like 190 kids 
uh, at this show to just see us like that. Like my, like I just couldn't even comprehend it. That's all I've ever wanted. Like all I've ever wanted was to be able to just tour around and have a couple hundred people there. And that was like, that's as big as I, that was everything to me. I was like, that's cool. That's all I would ever care about, you know? And then, um, I don't know, man, it just kind of grew from there, but dude, those first couple of years, we just toured nonstop. I mean, we were gone like 10 months out of the year and it just was so fast and it just kept going, going. Like I didn't really realize that we were a big, like quote unquote, like big band until we weren't anymore. Like I didn't even, it, like it just, it just happened so fast and it just became so, it was just so much for me to comprehend that it wasn't until like, you know, uh, years and years after that we weren't like selling that, selling as much tickets to shows and blah, 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 and blah, blah, that it wasn't until then I was like, damn, we were a big band. Like I didn't realize <laughs> it until, That's you know, <laughs> the, uh, you know, that first album cycle tour, I remember seeing, you know, you guys actually had one of, you know, what basically became one of my favorite all time bands opening for you, which is my chemical romance. You know, that's, that's, yeah. that's insane to look back and even think that, you know, they were opening for you at the time. But uh, I saw. Dude, we, the, go ahead. We we played in a uh, a cafeteria, like we we did like I don't know I feel like we did like three or four. They opened us open for us on like three or four different tours, and I remember like way back in the day, like we played like a cafeteria at a college, <laughs> and dude, there was like twenty people there maybe to see Story of the Air, My Chemical Romance. It was like in, in a while people were, our students were eating and like some kind of rec room in a couch like just crazy shit like that dude that happened all the time i mean it was a pretty packed show i don't remember you know i was summer of whatever whatever year maybe oh three but um yeah they they came out and just put on like absolutely blew me away like gerard stage presence to this day is oh, yeah. probably one of my favorites and then you guys come out fucking flipping off everything you know jumping off the amps <laughs> you know you know kicking and yeah, all yeah. those stuff and like I, I don't think I actually talked to you guys that night, which is kind of odd looking back on it, but that was kind of the before, yeah. before social media, before, you know, how can you just like find somebody real quick and send a tweet? But uh, I just yeah, lost yeah. touch with you guys. But yeah, I was like, holy fuck, man, these guys are great. And then I, I left and fuck, man, that, that it's one of those things where like, you know, you, you watch it from a distance happening and you're, you're proud, you know, and and that's it's, it's cheesy and corny to say, but I've always sat back and been very proud of you guys and like, you know, knowing where you came from, knowing you guys truly meant it and truly, you know, meant everything that you guys were doing up there. Dude, that's, that's super dope. Thank you for that. And I can totally relate. Cause I feel the same way about um, a band called Amberlin. Yeah. We took them, dude, we took them on like every tour we did for years and dude, they just consistently got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It was just a really steady, consistent rise until they were bigger than us and it was just i i don't know man like i always thought that band was just really special and really just something about them dude i just really really love that band and it was really cool you know like they got bigger than story of the year and and and, uh they took us on tour and we were opening for them and it was never even a second of like jealousness or anything i was just like so proud and so happy for these guys so I, i know the feeling it's it's it, it, uh, I think it's dope. You kind of alluded to back there that, you know, you kind of didn't realize you were a big band until you weren't. What do you think was the, yeah. you know, like what made you not the big band anymore? What do you think happened? Uh, I think we wrote records that weren't as accessible as our first one. Um, you know, it's, 
the easy thing to do would just to be like, oh, you know, you equip, you know, people quit buying records, everyone steals everything. Like, there's so much truth to that, and so much truth, like what happened to the industry, like with the digital, like with the onslaught of digital. Um, but dude, when it boils down to it, like we just made records that weren't as, you know, weren't as didn't have as wide of an audience as that first record did, and you know that that first record was kind of part of like the cultural zeitgeist that was going on, you know, that like 2003, 2004, like screamo, you know, like those bands were on, uh, you know, MTV and like buzzworthy videos and like us, the used and even like bands like yellow card and stuff. Like we were part of like the zeitgeist, you know, yeah. and you know, that that's like a super special thing that, that, you know, is pretty rare when it happens, you know? Um, but you know, our records after that were just a little bit more like, a little less appealing to like a mass audience or, you know, they got the songs got heavier and more political and the, you know, we kind of intentionally, you know, I mean, we definitely, uh, we, that was very intentional, but I guess we didn't consider, you know, what would happen <laughs> if we did that, you know? Right. Did, uh, yeah. obviously being on Maverick, did Madonna ever, you ever cross paths with Madonna on that? No, 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 no. They told her we. They they said we'd uh, meet her if we got a gold record, and then we got a gold record, and we still didn't meet her. So, <laughs> no. And then obviously, label mates with Deftones. I mean, that had to be just mind blowing to you, dude. Uh, you, see, you know how you uh, earlier you were talking about like, oh, they made it. They got thanked in this album. Like, dude, being label mates with Deftones, like that was to me like making it. Like that was like, that was everything. You know. Do you guys ever tour with those then guys? We, dude, then we wound up touring with yeah. them. We did the Taste of Chaos tour with them. Jesus. And we, and like, okay, so keep in mind, Deftones are like a pivotal, pivotal band for me. Um, definitely one of my favorites. Like, huge influence on the way, especially with Big Monkey, like huge influence. Um, so like, we did this tour and kind of really like broke down with those dudes and we like would skateboard every night. After the shows, it was uh, me, Dan and I, Josh, a couple of dudes from Thrice, a couple of dudes from Azalea Dying. We were all skateboard at nighttime. And uh, like we, we had like, we, it was our skate team. We called it our skate. We had a skate team, you know. <laughs> and a couple of times, Chino would come out and skate with us. And it's like, 17-year-old me is just like, dude, I'm not only on tour with Tones, but I'm hanging out with fucking Chino skateboarding with them. And he's high-fiving me because I, I just alleyed a fucking trash can. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, that's that like that's the best, you know. We, we watched them every single night um, for like two months or however long that tour was. So yeah, man, that that's like some of my favorite memories of all time. Absolutely. Know? So what yeah. did uh, what did John Feldman do for the band? Like you know, obviously, the first time you guys probably sat down with a, a giant producer. Uh, what does yeah. what does he bring to the table? And like, what did he teach you? Oh, dude, I learned so much from, from that dude. Like. At the time, I was really, like, I was initially freaked out because, you know, he took all of our songs and was like, oh, nope, that's not a chorus. You need a better chorus. Cut this in half. Oh, the intro stuff. You need a new intro, blah, blah. And just the sound, like, sonically, like, I was really freaked out because it sounded so much like that used record and it sounded, we sounded so different. Yeah. Then that it initially freaked me out. But it didn't take me long, and now I look back at it, it's like, that guy is legitimate, like, a legitimate 
like pop genius. You know, he can take anything and make it. Well, when I say pop, I just mean like catchy. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, he, I got can, you. he can just take anything and just make it catchy and make you want to hear it, you know? So he, I mean, like he, to the extent that we, um, he is responsible for so much of our success, like can't be understated. Like he took those songs and made them 10 times better in every single way. Like I'm talking like, you know, new courses, scrap that, like we wrote everything, but like he was just very upfront and, and about like, Nope, you need something better. Nope. Cut that in half. This is too long. No, that's dorky. Hey. And and I was like, he took out a lot of the, like, he said, I'm a guitar player. He took out a lot of the like guitar centric stuff mm-hmm. at the time. I was like, Oh man, like this is making, like that's the story of the year is blah, blah. But looking back on it, like he was right all the time. Like <laughs> I was wrong. I was wrong 100% of the time. And he was right 100% of the time because a lot of the stuff I was playing just didn't, it's that kind of shit. Like, Hey, you do not need a guitar solo in the song because it's not helping the song. Right. You know? And at the time I was just like, what? Guitar solos are awesome. But looking back, it's like, Oh, that would have been the worst thing ever to have a guitar solo in, you know, until the day I die. That would have been like the worst thing ever. So that's basically what he did. Yeah, I've always wondered how I would have reacted because, you know, obviously the songs of your kids, the songs of your babies, and, and especially your first album, uh, you yeah. know, you've been create, you know, crafting those songs for years and years. So you're like, no, this is yeah. a perfect song and this is how we're doing it. And this is story <laughs> of the year. And this is Ryan Phillips guitar sound. And, you know, you're going to go in yeah. and, and do all that stuff. And you, you get someone like that going, nope, 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 nope. So, yeah, that's that's going to be fun. Second album is uh, Steve Evitz, who has obviously produced some of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, Snapcase being one of them, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, you guys going in with him. What did, what did he do with the band? Yeah, we went. So we went with him because we wanted to do. Again, maybe we're not the best businessmen, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one thing I will say about us is we've always followed our hearts and let like our passion um, come first. So we basically. You know, we had this big breakout record, and the safe thing would have been to just record Feldman again and make Page Avenue Part 2. And, I mean, that's what, like, that's kind of what, I don't know, maybe that was the more conservative, smart approach to it. But I'm with you, dude. I grew up listening to Snapcase. I grew up listening to these bands. And, you know, after that first record came out, it was, like, so polished and so, like, clean-sounding. My gut reaction was, like, uh, I want I want our next record to sound like the Shape of Punks to Come or Progression Through Unlearning or whatever. Like, let's get the guy that did Snapcase, <laughs> you know? And uh, that's kind of, we just wanted to do raw, like just raw. Like we wanted to record everything in the tape. We only, we wound up just doing the drums tape, but uh, we wanted to do, uh, oh wait, that was the initial plan to do everything in the tape, but it was just drums wound up getting the tape. Yeah, anyway. Um, but yeah, we picked Steve because we just wanted to do like the opposite of Page Avenue, just raw, just, uh, not, you know, not really have a lot of samples and loops and shit in it, just like instruments and just make it just super raw. And that's kind of what we did, you know? I mean, it doesn't sound like that case or anything like that, but we wanted to get that, like that vibe, you know? Yeah. And then, and then what makes you go back to John Feldman on the Black Swan? Um, when we sold the tenth amount of the records and the label said, uh, you're gonna get dropped if you don't. And uh that's kinda what happened. Oh, and then we actually did get dropped. So, um I think a lot of that was just us 
you know, just kind of coming to terms, coming to coming to term with the fact that like we actually need a producer. Steve was Steve is the raddest dude ever, but like he didn't necessarily produce. He just kind of engineered it and made it sound the way we wanted it to. And he had, you know, he changed some stuff here and there and 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 whatever. But it was nothing like what Feldman does, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's why we picked Steve. Uh, but anyway, we just realized that we needed someone to kind of steer the ship and to kind of. We needed a producer. That's the easiest way to say it. So that's why we went back to Feldman. Yeah, and the Black Swan, if I remember correctly, did really well, I think. And then um, I, I guess I, I guess I caught you guys in Atlanta at the Warp Tour, and uh, I was actually standing on stage with you guys. And man, just just watching the crowd from that angle with you guys, it's <laughs> fucking crazy. Like you know, and, and and even you know, so many years later, when you guys play, you know, like a song like "Until the Day I Die," the crowd still just goes completely insane. Yeah, dude, that's one thing that's pretty cool i think that our fans like i think part of the reason they react to those songs still i mean there's obvious reasons why there's nostalgia attached to it like you grew up listening to something no matter what it's cool to hear it but like our fans know that everything we do like we do it from the heart and we do it with passion and we you know like we do this dorky and fucking conceited as it sounds like we do shit for the right reason you know and i think our especially the ones that are like actively following us on social media, not just the band, but like the band members and stuff. Like they see how hard we work and how much we care. And like, and it's honest, like what we do is honest. And I think that's part of it too. It's like people are just, at the end of the day, they're stoked that we're just still a band, you know? The constant, which is funny. I looking back at it. I think that's one of the last physical CDs I bought in my lifetime. Really? <laughs> I think I've maybe <laughs> bought, I might've bought like yeah. maybe one or two since then, like actually, you know, first week, yeah. my favorite band's putting out an album. I'm going to go buy it kind of thing. I think The Constant might be one of the last albums I bought. Oh, uh, that's funny. Yeah, so, I haven't bought an album in years. But, you know, that actually get, get us up to uh, get us up to Wolves and stuff like that. But oh, a couple of things. What, uh, you know, I was always bummed when uh, when Adam left, you know, left the band. I mean, I, 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 I get to see him play with drugs. And then, uh, you know, but uh, Adam being one of the, people that, you know, go back in the day, you know, going back in the day, it just kind of bummed me out to see that he was no longer in the band. I know, but I, but I was happy to see that he was a part of, uh, looks like he was a part of the video crew on, uh, on your latest, on the Wolves video. Oh yeah, dude. First of all, he's the best guy in the entire world. Um, it's, you know, just getting older and, you know, people have other things going on in their lives besides just the band. And, uh, you know, he got to a point after 10 plus years, uh, that he just didn't want to be away from home anymore. You know, like at the time it just, you know, he just, uh, just got married to a chick and, you know, was really into, uh, really into that, really into being home and, and, um, kind of, he was just kind of over the, the chaotic lifestyle of, of, uh, <laughs> of being in a band full time, you know? And when he left, it was like, I mean, like I said earlier, like, Especially with Adam, like it's friendship first before anything, you know. So, you know, he, we could tell he wasn't happy and didn't want to be away from her anymore, and all that. So it's like it was zero percent drama, zero percent hard feelings. We just all talked about it, and we were like, "Dude, if you're not happy, just stay home." It's like this is like there's you know we're friends first, man. So it, it I think it was like the most drama free, like best way anyone could ever you know, anyone could ever, uh, leave a band, you know? Yeah. So yeah, man, like 
he's our dude. Something tells me that he'll come back at some point. Um, but up until now, um, you know, there's at the time it just didn't work in his life plan. And that's all good with us, you know? Yeah, very good, man. He's one of the, you know, he's the one I've kept in touch with over the years. And uh, even when I started this show almost three years ago now, he was, I've been bugging him and bugging him to come on and uh, he just never will. I guess he's just not the, not the talkative type. Yeah, he, he, dude, he's, he's, I can't say enough things about him and he, he, good things about him. He is, he is a truly great, great human, man. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the, one of the best. Um, so you've got the new album Wolves out. Obviously, crowdfunded. Um, what uh, what was kind of the brain, you know, the the brainchild behind crowdfunding this? Um, so we did the label thing. Uh, that has certainly some huge advantages, but the way we're structuring our business moving forward, like I'm always very open and transparent about this shit. The fact that um, it is tough to provide for a family on an independent musician's income if you're in the bottom 99 percent so you know yeah. if you're justin bieber you're uh, rihanna whatever you're fine if you're the other 99 percent, it's it's tough to make a living especially if you have kids and a wife and a mortgage and all that stuff so we're all doing stuff on the side and the way we're going to you know, moving forward, the way we're going to run our business is kind of a different way than we've ever done it. And I don't know that that is, um, I don't know if that works with a label, you know? Um, so it's like, you know, basically what I'm talking about is essentially instead of getting in a van and touring around the United States for two months, you know, we'll hop on a plane and go to LA. We'll hop on a plane and go to New York, you know, we'll, uh, do a week in Japan, come home. And in between them, you know, in between Japan and Australia, we'll have a couple weeks off where we're other, we're doing other things to make money. Like I do photography on the side, you know, mm-hmm. some of the guys do other things. Um, so crowdfunding seemed like the best way to operate in that mindset, because, um, if we're going to be truly independent, like let's be fucking truly independent. Let's not sign a deal. Let's, 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 uh, let's just basically be our own startup, you know, and just get a whole bunch of investors, you know? So we're operating a lot more like a startup than we are a band in that regard. You know, I, I think the one, the one advantage you guys get with, you know, most bands and crowdfunding is I do feel like the a story of the year fan is a story of the year fan and they're, and they're going to back this, you know, it's not like you're, this is not your first album. You know, this is a, a 15 year career album. Yeah, dude, and that's and that's you. You hit the nail right on the head. That's that's um, while, while we're switching our business model, the, at the end of the day, the target demographic is story of your fans, and our 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 bottom like our our main goal is how do we service the fans that we have in the best most meaningful way. So instead of signing a deal and trying to like just throw a whole bunch of shit at the wall and try to get on like top 40 radio and just try to make like, you know, just try to make like all these new fans and start over and blah, 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 and do all this stuff. Our mindset is, well, all these people that have, you know, stuck by us through, you know, from years uh, of touring and basically just people that have stuck with us throughout all the years and all the albums and stuff. 
let's let's make them our top priority. Let's let's give them music. Let's have them uh, basically just be our like patron, you know. And that's kind of how we're we're running our business these days, you know. It's it's like uh, what's that famous uh, like a thousand true fans by Kevin Kelly that you know just finding your true fans and having a relationship with them and servicing them directly. So while we're not going for, you know, crazy top 40, this, that, like all this marketing money and stuff, it's more just like, Hey, you're a story to your fan. We're going to market to you. We're going to have a relationship with you. We're going to service you. And that's what we're doing. And it's like, it seemed to, it seemed, like so far it's been pretty beautiful, you know? That's amazing. The, uh, I was recently listening to Bill Burr talk about his uh, com- uh, comedy career and what changed mm-hmm. in his career was he, Instead, he said he he said he's running his business like a mall, and and like a, like a store in the mall. And he says, "This is what I sell. You know, I sell I sell these jokes and these shoes and blah blah blah. And if you don't like them, you know, there are other stores in the mall. He's not mm-hmm. running around like seeing what other people are doing and going. Oh man, I need to do that. Oh man, I need to do that. And I need to get this special. Like now, he's like he's like I'm selling it to. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. Thanks for coming by. You know, I kind of feel like this is what you're talking about there." I would say that's exactly like pretty much exactly it. That's a, that's a wonderful metaphor. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much what we're doing. And you know, um, there's also the factor of timing. Like, dude, I've been working on this music. I I sent my first demo to the band guys in 2012. That's how long we've been working on, on the music and waiting for the timing to be right. And for whatever reason, like I said, we're, you know, all doing different bands and all doing stuff on the side. And, but, uh, I don't know really what, what the reason was, but last year I just, I, I, I'd written like 40 or 50 songs over the course of a couple of years and sent them, sent them to the band. And it was just like, when are we going to do this? And I was like, I don't know. I, I, I'm just, I don't feel like the time's right. I don't, like, you know, the cell talk, I was just like, I don't know if the timing's right. I don't know if this, but for whatever reason, last year, I was like, this is the right time. Like, I don't really know what it was specifically, but I just felt like it was the right time to do it. So I was like, all right, um, set up a call there in Sprinkle and uh, got all of our ducks in a row and just like made it happen, you know? And um, that's just kind of how everything went down, you know? It was just lots of uh, waiting and waiting until the right time. And that, that, that also plays a big point a big part in it too. Cause I feel like it is a good time right now, especially with all like the emo nights and all like the, all that shit that's happening right now. Like with that stuff, like it's kind of a, it's kind of a good time to be doing this, you know? Yeah. It's, it's so funny when you see a thing like emo night. Yeah. It's, it's so great. Um, the, you guys did two, two basically, you know, recent shows, I guess, where they see the release shows technically like, or, or album release shows, however you want to do it. Um, you know, Chicago and St. Louis, how did those go? Dude, incredible. Uh, we've always put out records and then only played like one or two songs from them because we always felt like everyone just wanted to hear Page Avenue and certain songs off certain records, whatever. Uh, so we like, for instance, when we put the content out, I think we only played like one song off. Like while touring for a new record, we'd play like one song off it, you know, <laughs> because like admittedly, it's just the record wasn't as good is some of the older stuff and it just in a live context that just didn't translate as well. Um, and that's to me, probably the coolest thing about this album is the songs are so fun to play live. 
they translate well live. They're like dramatic and theatrical and just like, just dude, we've never had anything like this where we had a new record. We're playing like, I think seven songs off it. We've never done anything like that. You know, obviously our first record is different because that's like the only songs we had, but, um, (laughs) Dude, we're playing more than half the album, and it's fucking amazing. Like, it feels so good. It feels like a huge step forward. So we do that, and then we'll play, you know, um, some of the, you know, the fan favorites from the other records. But, dude, so far it's been, like, we I've never experienced anything like that in my whole career. It's It's been super dope. So, uh, so you know, new album out. 15 years in, I mean, where do you, what do you see Story of the Year as? What is, what, what is Story of the Year's legacy at this point? Like, where, where, where do I see us going or where do you think, like, where, like in the grand scheme of things, where do I think we fit in? Like, what? Yeah, like, where do you fit in in, in the world? I mean, are you, are, are you bumping up against, you know, quote, you know, quote unquote, like, emo heritage act? Are you, um, <laughs> you know, are you constantly yeah, yeah, putting yeah, no, on new stuff? You, yeah, it's, it's weird. Like, I had this realization um, over the last couple of years, like, I'm never going to play the Super Bowl halftime show. Um, you know, we're never going to have like a top 40 hit. I'm never going to drive a Bentley. Like, and I am so good with all that because we are people's, there are people out there that say like, Oh, story of the year is my favorite band. Mm -hmm. There are tons of people out there with like lyrics, story of the year lyrics tattooed on Like, you know, there's no, no, there's certain bands. Like I won't say, say any other names, mostly just because I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there's certain bands. that's like no one's favorite band. They're, but they're just out there, you know? Yeah, yeah. I got you. Um, but you know, it's like no one says, this band is my favorite band. Like, no no, no one says, like, dude, Smash Mouth is my favorite band, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, not to be, like, derogatory. Unless you're four. You know, they might be, like, a four yeah, or five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm in no way, shape, or form being, like, disparaging or derogatory or any of that. But my point is, like, there are a lot of people out there that Story of the Year is their favorite band. Um. And I think those people know that we do shit because we love it and we can't, you know, we can't just stop. Like personally, I just, I can't stop. I like, to be completely honest, I tried to stop. Like this is too hard on my family. The income is just way too inconsistent. Like I, I fucking, you know, I, I I should just, I, I should just stop. And dude, I just can't, like, I can't stop, you know? So, yeah if we can be known as a band that's just like, you know, refuses to, to stop and does shit for the right reasons and does it because we love it and because we're friends first. And, um, that's totally fine with me. Like I don't have to play the Super Bowl. I don't have to be rich. None of that shit has ever mattered to me. I just want to play music with my friends. And if I can make a living doing it, then I fucking win. But even if I can't, I still win because, um, I love it. And there's plenty of people, that that love what we do, you know. Yeah, and if you weren't one of my friends from back in the day, I still would say that Story of the Year is one of my favorite bands. I definitely, you know, there's oh, sweet. we were uh <laughs> I was actually listening to the uh you know, some stuff on Spotify in the house the other day and, and my uh you know, the wife which you've met you've met my wife, Tabitha. Uh you she uh normally hates everything coming out of my Bluetooth speaker being, you know, <laughs> Pantera and Slayer and whatnot. And, uh, I had, yeah, some, yeah. I had some story of the year going and I, I had, I turned it down a little bit while I was cooking and I, I hear a yell from the living room. She's like, turn that back up. And I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so it was good stuff. That's man. Sweet. <clears throat> so, oh, that's sweet. So what's the, what's the immediate future for story of the year? You know, wolves is out. How can you get it? All that good stuff. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I think you can still get vinyl and CDs at pledgemusic.com forward slash story of the year. Um, I, we'll probably be shutting that down pretty soon. Uh, we're getting our merch store back up and running. Um, yeah, like I said earlier, we'll be doing just random spot, small little chunks of touring and flyouts and festivals and all that stuff. It's just the way we're the way we're doing it these days, you know. Um, so yeah, like we'll you know we, we we've already booked some stuff. We'll we'll have it if you follow us on our socials. You'll you'll kind of see stuff that we're announcing. But yeah, we'll just do week here, week there, show here, show there, festival here. And uh, dude, I'm more energized and more pumped on story of the year than I've ever been in my whole entire career, which is, I think saying something because I'm kind of like a, I don't know. I've been pretty fanatical about like my drive and work ethic with this band, you know, um, I don't know. I've never been this excited about any record we've ever put out and I'm having the best time. So I look forward. I'm already, already looking forward to writing another one, man. It's not going to be seven. Or it's been seven years since our new record, and it's crazy. It will not be seven years more. It'll be fucking next year, you know. So yeah, yeah um, it's it's so insane looking at some of these years next to the albums and like God, it's been that yeah. long. It's so crazy how how quick time goes by. I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen anymore. Especially since we know we can do this shit ourselves. Like we don't need we can partner with our fans and we can we can do this. Like I'm dude, when I say we operate like a startup, I, what I mean is that like everyone has to figure out ways to pull their weight. It's not 2004. We don't have two tour buses and a semi truck and 12 crew members. Like our drummer helps tour manage. Yeah. When like we tech our own shit because I make more money for my family. I do all of our photography and our music videos. Like we're all like that's in a startup. You got to wear multiple hats. Like everyone needs to pull their weight. Everyone needs to do multiple jobs. Um, and that's what we're doing. You know, like I, I have like, I've sold millions of records and I string my own guitars and fucking carry my own gear and shit. You know, like I don't give a fuck. Like I, I, I I'm like, it's what you got to do in 2018, you know? And, um, yeah, that's where we're at, man. Like the hustle, the grind. And, uh, we're just we're operating like a startup. Awesome, man. Well, let's uh, let's leave this with a track off of Wolves. Um, what uh, what what track would you like to leave us with, dude? Either I swear I'm okay or praying for rain. It's your choice. <laughs> I'm gonna say praying for rain because we talked a lot about the death tones, and that one has a very death tones kind of vibe, and it's my favorite one on the record. All right, let's do that. <laughs> Well, Ryan, man, it's yeah. been it's been great catching up with you. I can't wait till you uh, till you play your one off show close to me, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll make the trek <laughs> out. And uh, man, just good luck with everything. Thanks, dude. It's awesome catching up with you too, man. Like aside from the interview, like just awesome, awesome talking to you, man. All right, guys. Well, this is uh, praying for rain off of Story of the Years Wolves, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
Moments before it decides to take my heart. 